Jersey is the world. Hi everybody, welcome to New Jersey is the world. My name is Chris Gethard. Lucky to be here as your host today. Uh, I want to go ahead and say this has been a weird month, not the usual slate of shows. Uh, if you've been listening, you know I've been at a festival in Scotland for the entire month. And on top of that, we had some... Uh, some, uh, you know, people get sick these days, production slows down these days, and organizationally, I dropped the ball a bit. So apologies to anybody who's like, why aren't you in your usual rhythm of telling insane stories with big group settings? These episodes have been a little quieter, a little more sedate. We're going to get back to our usual business when I land. I uh, get back August 31st, so that's later this week. And we're going to crank up the machine and get a bunch of bangers for you. Although, I've thought we've been doing some interesting stuff. And the face of it are, are from the field Edinburgh Street Report, where we learned that Leith is the jersey of Edinburgh, via my friend David O'Doherty. Hilarious guy. Well worth it. Today is going to be an interesting episode as well. It's going to be a quickie. Not going to lie. Um... Again, the bandwidth and capacity to record from Scotland on a five-hour time difference proved more difficult than I anticipated. A couple things that we're going to do today. One, we talked about this a lot in the live stream this month, but it needs to be said on the main feed. I need everybody who is a fan of this show to look up the name Amy DeGeist. That's D-E-G-I-S-E. Now, a lot of you probably know who this is, especially if you're in North Jersey, especially if you follow New Jersey political news. Uh, but if you aren't familiar, Amy DeGeist is a uh, Jersey City Councilwoman. She ran as part of the slate with uh, Jersey City Mayor Steve Fulop, who's becoming more and more of a power broker as years pass. It's kind of, uh, you know, boxing out a, a Hudson County machine for himself that rivals that of, of uh, Brian Stack or, you know, Sacco, some of the other Hudson County guys, for those of us who try to track all the political machine nonsense. Amy DeGeis' father is the Hudson County executive. Um, so, you know, we've had a lot of fun on the show. As a bunch of Essex County natives, myself and the Wotown guys, we always talk about Joe D. Vincenzo, a.k.a. Joe D., who's, who's legendary in Essex County for being our power broker. Um, Tom DeGeis is the Hudson County executive. So that's her dad. Now, Amy DeGeis, there's a video out there, and you can look this up. She, she, this guy was on a bike in Jersey City, and the biker was in the wrong. Biker ran a light, and there's footage of a car hitting the biker and just not even thinking about hitting the brake, just taking off. And it was quickly discovered that that was Jersey City Councilwoman Amy DeGeis. And I th I'm fairly certain I'm pronouncing that correctly, by the way. Um, she did a hit and run in a, a bicycle accident and turned herself in many hours later after word started to spread, hey, we think this is a councilwoman. Um, it has come out that she does not pay her veterinarian bills. It has come out that she has had traffic stops where she has tried to say, like, do you know who I am? Do you know who my father is? So point being, I've always been a huge fan on this show of analyzing the intricate New Jersey political weirdness. I mean, from election coverage to interviewing, you know, the governor, Congresswoman Cheryl, um, the head of the New Jersey ACLU, and, and probably most importantly for this discussion, Matt Friedman, who is a reporter at Politico who covers Jersey, who broke down to us how a lot of this stuff works and there's so many moving parts. 
This is a real-time Jersey political scumbaggery story unfolding. And anyone who's a fan of this show, I'm telling you, I keep looking up the news on this case. Uh, the most recent development, which has happened since I spoke about it on the live stream over at our Patreon, if you wonder what I'm talking about with the live streams, patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world, $10 tier. You get access to some Jersey-themed live streams every month. We talked heavily about this situation last time, and I was filled with glee. Since that live stream, uh, Amy DeGeist has given her first public statements and is refusing to resign. And I don't know about you, but once there's footage of you hitting someone with a car and leaving the scene, you you gotta go. I think that would be most people's impulse. Is, yeah, you messed up. You gotta go. Not only is she refusing to step down, but a lot of people who uh, who probably should be saying something, not saying much about it. I mean... This was at the intersection of Martin Luther King Drive and Forest Street on July 19th. This was a long while ago. And when you watch it, the, the, um, the footage, I mean, she hits this guy and, and he goes flipping through the air. And luckily, only minor injuries. Very good. But look, the mayor of Jersey City, Mayor Fulop, has not called for her to resign. Governor Murphy, who is someone I admire greatly, has not called for her to resign. Um, the only two members of the Jersey City Council who have are James Solomon and Frank Gilmore, who you will not be shocked to hear, are the only two council members who did not run on uh, Mayor Fulop's state last year. Slate last year, rather. So the only ones who aren't directly allied with the mayor, those are the only ones who are like, hey, maybe if you hit a pedestrian with a car and run away, you got to face some some uh, some penance for that. You got to pay a little penance. It's not happening. The political machines are very confused as to what to do. And it is just classic. As, as we are, as you are listening right now, this could be unfolding further. So do yourself a favor, look it up. And in another very classy move, in, in the same public statement where she refused to resign, um, she did say that she feels like her privacy is being violated, which is really amazing when you consider that she's a public <laughs> elected official. Look, I'm, I'm someone who values privacy and I'm someone who has done some things in my career and been on TV and stuff where I feel like my privacy is often compromised. I also understand that I, st I signed up for it. I decided to live a public life. If, if you decide to be a councilwoman of, a, of the second largest city in a state, then yet yeah, you're a public figure. And this is not her first rodeo with that. She's been a school board member. There's been, she has lived publicly. So the idea that she said, not only will I not resign, but I think you're all really um, infringing on my privacy is particularly infuriating and quite hilarious. If you ask me, which you didn't, but do yourself a favor and follow this one because it's becoming a bigger and bigger thing. I said on the live stream, you know, this is one of those things that we don't dedicate a full episode to, uh, but I'll tell you what, I think it needs to be stated on the mainstream, on the main feed, because um, not only do I think it's worth following for it being 
classic Jersey political dirtbag stuff, but there's protests mounting. And I figure if you're in Jersey City in specific, Hudson County in general, or if you want, or you're someone who likes to see your politicians held accountable when they run over constituents with cars, you might want to look it up just to see when the further protests are happening and maybe any petitions that you might be able to sign just to say, hey, yeah, people can't get away with nearly killing, you know, vehicular manslaughter. You can't, you can't dodge a, a, a borderline vehicular manslaughter just because you're the councilwoman of a city and your dad is the county executive. Would I be saying this if I lived in Hudson County? I don't know. You don't mess with the Hudson County machine, but I don't live there. Anyway, why am I tempting fate even saying that? It's all public knowledge. It's out there. Anyway, wanted to put out there that stuff this week. Make sure everybody had the red flag raised on the uh, the Amy D situation. And then I wanted to go ahead and just do something really simple. I went ahead and I did something sort of insane. We all know what the Constitution is, but when you hear Constitution, you think United States Constitution, right? And we all grow up reading that in school. You have to memorize parts of it, and you have to learn what the Bill of Rights are, and you learn about prohibition, and then they repealed that, and then here's how you alter the Constitution. But you don't generally think of the state constitution. And I realized this is a New Jersey-themed podcast, and I've never read the New Jersey state constitution. So initially I said maybe it would be funny if I went and read the New Jersey state constitution out loud and made that an episode. And guess what? It's horrifically boring. It's horrifically boring. But what I will do is tell you about the history of the New Jersey state constitution because there's some interesting stuff there. And... Um, then I'm going to tell you about my favorite thing about it and my least favorite thing about it. Like I said, it'll be a quickie episode, but it might be a good one. Uh, the current New Jersey State Constitution, it was ratified in 1948. Pretty recent as far as constitutions go. Uh, it's the third constitution in New Jersey history. Um, you will not be shocked to hear that... The second one, in particular, was viewed as kind of a nightmare that allowed for a lot of political chicanery and exploitation and graft in, in state politics. And, and now the current one, I, I'm actually kind of surprised, is held up as a little bit of an example as one of the better state constitutions. So, uh, yeah, people kind of look at it as a model for how to rebuild their own constitutions. Uh, the first one was written in 1776. Uh, it was revised initially in 1844 and rewritten in 47, put into action, 1948. Um, as far as the current one goes, a lot of the credit for this goes to uh, Governor Alfred E. Driscoll, who I think a lot of us don't necessarily know that name, but we certainly know the Driscoll Bridge, which everybody, if you're a Jersey fan, you know about that. And uh, he pushed really hard for a constitutional convention to happen. And Arthur T. Vanderbilt got involved and is viewed as the architect of the court system in particular. They kind of teamed up and said things have to change. So the 1776 one was really heavily criticized. It was written hastily was the problem. The war was on. They wrote the Constitution. After 68 years, they said, let's just scrap it, try a new one. So... They got together and they addressed all the criticism. And in 1844, 
they added a separate bill of rights. The, um, they cleaned up a lot of stuff that was just totally necessary. The elimination of property requirements for white males to vote. Uh, changes made to how the governor happened. That the governor was not directly elected by the people until that 1844 um, constitution. And uh, he would have veto power in a longer term, but couldn't succeed himself in office. It was interesting. So um, right away, governors didn't like it. They first tried to... Re 1844, it was put into action. They first started saying, we need to replace this thing in 1877. Um, the governors felt like it was limiting them. But they were met with a lot of resistance. But Driscoll finally pushed it through. The small counties, apparently... Uh, thought that their power would be reduced if it was reformed. So, Governor Driscoll agreed to put the convention proposal to the voters with a prohibition against changing the makeup of the legislature that made the small counties get on board. And in 1947, guess where 81 delegates met? At the Rutgers University gym on College Avenue in New Brunswick, a place where I have thrown up and a place where I've urinated on College Avenue. A place where I have seen... People uh, punch aggressive preachers in the face, those antagonistic evangelical priester, preachers that show up at Rutgers once or twice a year and say all sorts of inflammatory, awful things, and then people jump out and, and hate on them. I've seen horrible things happen on College Avenue. I've seen people crying. I've seen all sorts of deranged things happen on College Avenue. And that's the same avenue where the New Jersey State Constitution was written. Who knew? Um, there were 81 delegates that met. 50 of them were lawyers. Only eight were women. 23 Democrats, 54 Republicans, four independents. And uh, they met for 12 days. Governor Driscoll said, let's write this thing. Let's make it brief. Let's not repeat mistakes. Let's get it going. And it's a really good constitution, it turns out. It's some of its main priorities. It expands equal rights for women. It includes anti-discrimination provisions, strengthens the office of the governor, um, kind of puts all of the executive branch in one place and says the governor is in charge of executive branch stuff. It's not ambiguous anymore. Allows the governor to be reelected, as I mentioned before. Only until, in the until the 1940s, you could only serve one term as New Jersey governor. And... Uh, in hand in hand with this, as I mentioned, they fixed up the courts. I found this very, very interesting. Uh, the state justice system before the 1947 uh, constitution, there were 17 different courts, some run by people, who, judges not even licensed to practice law themselves. It was very fragmented. You could get put in the wrong system. You could get trapped there. And I thought this was really amazing. There were um, something like 9,000 cases sitting around waiting to be heard before that constitution. And because of the work that specifically Vanderbilt did, they streamlined it and they got it down to just a few hundred. Um, and that's huge. That's huge. That's like people actually getting together. You just think of everything being so log jammed in government and how nothing can ever happen and get done. But this was a case where they actually, uh, they actually were able to clean up a system and help people get through all their legal troubles. Um, yeah, they got it down from a 9,000 case backlog to 458. 
uh, within the first year of this constitution being made. It also um, forced them to seek out justices that they felt were really going to crush it. And they added William Brennan to the New Jersey Supreme Court. And he went on to be a United States Supreme Court justice. And yeah, within nine years, Vanderbilt said it was hard work. We did, we did a lot, but uh, public interest. We served the public interest and we did a good job. So it's a good constitution. And people like it. Only legislators can uh, propose amendments to New Jersey's constitution and then they go to a fight, to the, uh, the vote rather, for the, the people to, to back it up. California has a constitution where people can, you know, you always hear about those California votes on different things that go directly to the constitution. That's not how our, ours works. Ours have to go through the legislative branch first, and then we can change it. But it really cleaned it up. And hearing that, especially the court system was so bad. I mean, obviously hearing that it expanded women's rights and had a lot of language about uh, diversity provisions, very good things. Um, also I've never would have learned if I hadn't taken the time to try to read this constitution, I wouldn't have read that a big part of it was that the court system in Jersey was so tangled up that people's whole lives could get messed up and tangled up in the courts for years. And then one of the Vanderbilts stepped in and cleared like 8,500 court cases in no time at all. That's cool. And I like it. Turns out I like the New Jersey constitution. I like almost everything about it. It's been amended about 50 times since 1948. I've had, I had a lot of trouble figuring out which, what were the actual amendments, although it does say right on the uh, state's website that it was last amended in November of 2020. I wonder if that was legal weed. I have no idea. Um, I believe it was. That was an amendment that was added. Uh, the language on that was added January 1st. 2021. So that's my guess is that that was the most recent amendment. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you the thing that made me happiest while reading the New Jersey State Constitution and the thing that bummed me out the most that I want us to come together and figure out how to change. Uh, the first is this. Uh, my favorite thing is section 7 um, point A. So there's section 7 Number one is no divorce shall be granted by the legislature. Okay, that's fine. Number two, though, is interesting. No gambling of any kind shall be authorized by the legislature unless the specific kind restrictions and control thereof have been heretofore submitted to and authorized by a majority of the votes cast by the people at a special election or shall hereafter be submitted to and authorized by a majority of the votes cast thereon by the legally qualified voters of the state voting at a general election, except that without any such submission or authorization. This is why I couldn't read the whole thing. I mean, it's a funny idea to me to go read the whole New Jersey state constitution, but it all sounds like that. It's just legalese. But underneath this point about how there's no gambling. Um, the very first thing, number A, or letter A under it, it, there's, I mean, it lists A through F on this, it looks like. And yeah, F is the state can authorize specific kinds of wagering on harness races conducted within or outside the state. E is uh, simultaneous transmission by picture of running and harness, or, so that simulcasts. The you go bet and you go bet on a TV screen in Atlantic City in the middle of the night or out at the Meadowlands. Um, 
Number D is the state can establish casinos. So we've all heard of that. And it talks about how they want to use some of the money that comes in to fund things and help with reductions in property taxes and telephone and gas, blah, blah, blah. C is lotto. They're allowed to have a state lottery. B um, is my favorite one here. A and B uh, both deal with the same thing. It shall be lawful for bona fide veterans, charitable, educational, religious, or fraternal organizations, civic and service clubs, senior citizens associations or clubs, volunteer fire companies, or and first aid or rescue squads to conduct under such restrictions and control as shall from time to time be prescribed by the legislature, by law, games of chance, and restricted to the selling of rights to participate the awarding of prizes in the specific game of chance, sometimes known as bingo. There are two big chunks of our state constitution that lay out that bingo will be legal for first aid squads, volunteer fire companies, and senior citizens clubs. My favorite part of this is that they then do have legal language that pretty specifically breaks down what bingo is it says played with cards bearing numbers or other designations five or more in one line the holder covering numbers as objects similarly numbered are drawn from a receptacle and the game being won by the person who first covers a previously designated arrangement of numbers on such a card when the entire net proceeds of such games of chance are to be devoted to educational charitable patriotic religious or public spirited uses and in the case of bona fide veterans organizations senior citizens association clubs any municipality in which a majority of the qualified voters voting therein, at a general respectfully. So this is basically, if you live in a town, town can legalize bingo nights. And then B is very similar. I'm not exactly sure what the difference is. Um, oh, B is the same thing, but for raffles. And then it very specifically explains what they think of as a raffle. Now, what's interesting to me is I am a member of a, a volunteer first aid squad. So it sounds like I can legally run raffles and bingo nights. So I may have found myself a new racket. And like everybody who's born in this godforsaken state, I'm always looking for a new racket. So being that I am currently the driver on a volunteer ambulance squad in Morris County, I want everybody to keep your eyes peeled for when I announce my bingo night and we're all going to get together and we're going to throw down hard with some bingo because I can legally do that now. Now it says that it has to go to a charity, but look, we'll find a, we'll find a cool charity. And by cool charity, I mean maybe I'll start a cool charity uh, that will allow me to wine and dine with kings and queens. That's what I'm thinking, baby. I loved it. I loved so much that there is major language dedicated to explaining what bingo is and how it's played with cards and you got to cover five or more numbers in one line. Very good stuff, New Jersey, right there. I'm going to close out this quickie episode. My least favorite thing about the New Jersey Constitution. And it's unfortunate because it's, you know, you only get one chance to make a first impression. Here's what I'm thinking. We, we got to change the first impression. So it says, uh, 
and th- and this is me at a state website. This is not, this is at the state website, right? The first first paragraph I'm fine with. A constitution agreed upon by the delegates of the people of New Jersey and convention begun at Rutgers University, the State University of New Jersey in New Brunswick on the 12th day of June, continued to the 10th day of September in the year of our Lord, 1,947, after which everyone went to the grease trucks and they got fat pitches, no pussy juice. It, that part wasn't in there. I was just thinking how funny it would be. And can you imagine if after the constitutional convention the way they celebrate it was everybody went down there and was like, give me a fat moon, no rabbit food. And then like Sammy in one of the trucks is just like, all right, my brother. And there's like pictures of horrifically drunk kids, like pulling their dicks out and flashing their bras, pasted up all over the side of a truck. And the people who, anyway, college Avenue, I cannot believe it happened on college Avenue, a place where I literally once threw a half full yoo bottle at someone in anger. That's where our state constitution is. Anyway, it's the second paragraph I want us all to come together and change. You let me know. Maybe I'm overreacting, and maybe this is my beliefs getting in the way too much. But I think this is too much for a state like Jersey. We, the people of the state of New Jersey, grateful to Almighty God for the civil and religious liberty which he hath so long permitted us to enjoy, and looking to him for a blessing upon our endeavors to secure and transmit the same unimpaired to succeeding generations, do ordain and establish this constitution. I'm going to go ahead and say it. That second paragraph of that preamble, that shit has got to go. This is Jersey, man. First, I got two major things. First of all, we don't, we don't have a state religion. We don't have a uh, national religion. So why are we starting this thanking God? All right, a lot of people out here have their own relationships with God. Let's leave that out of the state paperwork. How about that? How about we find something a little more ambiguous? It's not God-driven. Because there's atheists in this world. There's people who have religions that don't have a God. There's people in religions who have multiple gods. And it's very clear that we are praying to a Judeo-Christian version of God in this. And I don't think that's cool. And that's not what our state is about, okay? Our state has people who don't prescribe to uh, Judeo-Christian values, all right? We've got people from all walks of life. And that's one of the best things about this state. So I mean it very seriously, starting our state constitution off with a very God heavy, uh, feels like church. I mean, I feel like I'm going to church on Sunday back in the day. here. And granted, I'm something of a, I don't know if I'm an atheist or uh, that other one that's very similar to atheism. I mean, that's how little agnostic, right? This is how little I care. But uh, it makes me uncomfortable. Or capitalizing the words almighty and God, and then everything is he because of that. I don't think that's our state either, all right? This is a state where the governor just stepped up and said, we're going to be protecting women's reproductive rights in the face of what happened in the Supreme Court. Why so much he language? The, li- the religious liberty with which he hath so long permitted us, looking to him for a blessing upon our endeavors. I actually say, a lot of fine religious folk in this state, and I got nothing against Religious people I think religious people can often have great values. I think they're often great members of community, charitable people who look out for each other and those around them. I have no problem with it. But this state, I don't think, defines itself by that. And I think that we are at a point in American history where the states that do cling to that are making very specific choices. And those choices are getting darker and more authoritarian, feeling more like fascism to me. And I don't like that our state has a preamble that immediately brings up God 
and then a whole bunch of he. This is a state that prides itself on diversity and religious diversity is a big part of that. This is a state that is currently, um, I would say proud. I am proud to say I live in a state that is leading the charge in saying we will be a place where women's rights are protected and those are our values. So why so much God and why so much he, him stuff in the uh, preamble to this? So I've had a lot of fun today going over the history of the Constitution and laughing about College Avenue, but you can see, I think there's actually something in here to change. Maybe our little podcast can change it. What do we want to do here? Somebody tell me. There's some smart people listening to this podcast. I know that for a fact. You think we got the governor because I asked? No. Some people reached out and said, we like what you're doing and we think it would be cool for the governor to come on. Mikey Sherrill, I was able to reach out through someone who listens to the show who said, hey, I work with the Democratic Party and if there's people you want, we think it's a good platform. There's some movers and shakers listening to this thing. I mean, we got, we got Kerry Sullivan, the author of New Jersey Fan Club out here listening. We got, we got all kinds of people. My point is, this preamble to our state constitution, I don't know that it necessarily reads as if it reflects the values of our state. Seems to me like it reflects the values of some other states that we're trying to really draw a line and not be one of them. So maybe we can get some language that's a little more, I won't even say a little more inclusive, but maybe just a little more broad and neutral and welcoming and inviting in the same way that this state is in such a beautiful way. It's my food for thought. I'm going to read it to you one more time so you can go. Because I bet, I bet you sat here and you went, man, this was a filler episode. You're not wrong. I'm in, I'm in Scotland. I said that at the top. And then you're sitting here going, oh, he's making College Avenue jokes. Ha ha. I bet you didn't expect it to get serious at the end. But that's the Gethard way. You never know which direction I'm going to take it. We, the people of the state of New Jersey, grateful to Almighty God for the civil and religious liberty which he hath so long permitted us to enjoy... There's nothing about that sentence that I think anyone in Jersey says that should start off our constitution. We, the people of the state of New Jersey, grateful to almighty God for the civil and religious liberty, which he hath so long permitted us to enjoy and looking to him for a blessing upon our endeavors to secure and transmit the same unimpaired to succeeding generations do ordain and establish this constitution. What do we do here? What do we do? Do we reach out back channel? Do we go public? Do we start a petition? Do we rewrite it ourselves? That's what I want to do. Call in with the voicemail, 973-780-4660. Pitch us your reformed preamble to the Constitution of the state of New Jersey. Or leave a comment on the Patreon and let us know what you think we should change it to. Because I don't think it should be this. This feels like something that's happening in one of them evangelical states that's uh, going hands handmaid's tale. And I think we got to really draw some lines and delineate ourselves from that. So... I'm calling upon the governor, our friend Phil Murphy. I'm calling upon uh, the, the Joe DiVincenzo and Amy DeGeis' dad. I want everybody to get together and say, maybe we can remove some of this uh, religious language, especially some of the gendered religious language from the beginning of our state constitution. It doesn't reflect the values of this state, which I would argue, if there's one secret weapon to New Jersey, it's that it's the most accepting and welcoming open-armed state for immigrant communities historically. My family benefited from that. There's so many areas of this state where you can go and eat food from different cultures, all within a short drive of your house, meet different kind of people, go to school with people who have roots different than yours, interact daily with people whose life experiences and whose family histories don't match your own. It's beautiful. So let's change up this second paragraph of our state constitution 
to reflect that. Okay, it's time. I was bummed out when I read it. I was thrilled to read a very in-depth description of bingo. And I was bummed out to read the preamble. Anyway, everybody, thanks for listening. We're going to be back soon with the full crew. I land in Jersey again at Newark on Wednesday. Got to figure out how to get my kid back uh, from the airport to my house without a car seat. Didn't travel with a car seat. It might have been a mistake. Who knows? That's the biggest pain in my ass right now. But what I'll tell you is that I think uh, I think we got to come together here. And uh, we're going to blow out some episodes. They're going to just be as funny as ever. But I'm, 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 ring- I'm raising a red flag. The second paragraph of our state constitution does not reflect what this state is. Change it. Maybe I'll get Phil on the line. Should I get Phil on the line? I don't ever want to just... I don't ever want to lean on that until it's a real emergency. So maybe I'll see what the people say first. All right, everybody. Let me know what you think we need to do about this thing, and we'll get it done. Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. Is the world is produced and edited by Carson Cop, Mike D, and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the World and on Instagram at New Jersey is the World. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the World at 973 780 4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to Patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. We have merch, which you can find at BelowTheCollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the world, where New Jersey is the world.